Welcome back to Far From Perfect. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and in this episode, I am sharing um, my personal experience and how I got here, but more importantly, why I chose this path. So I've done an episode in the past about how I got to this point in my business, and I alluded to the fact that I would talk about the why. And in this episode, I share my history with disordered eating. And I had hesitated to talk about this in the past simply because it was so long ago, right? It was 20 years ago, but it shaped who I am today, who I am today. And it is the reason I do what I do. You know, they say we become the person that we needed. And I am now that person that I needed 20 years ago. So it's a personal episode. I try and keep these these episodes uh, very educational so you can learn something and take something away. You're going to learn just a little bit more about me and maybe you'll be able to relate. Really, the thing that triggered this episode was I recently read a book. It's called I'm Glad My Mom Died by Jeanette McCurdy and she talks about her experience with anorexia and bulimia and other addictions and it was really powerful for me when she shared her story and I thought me sharing my story might be helpful for you. Enjoy. Welcome back to the show, everyone. I am doing an an unplanned solo episode. It's an episode that I've wanted to record for a while and I've said I'm going to do this and I haven't done it because every time I you know, I think about talking about this. I'm like, no, people don't need to know about that. Or it's been so long. It doesn't matter. But I just read a book by Jeanette McCurdy called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And it brought up some stuff for me that I do feel is relevant for you. And I want you to understand why what I do is so important to me and why I do what I do. It's a very personal reason. So I'm going to explain to you my history with disordered eating. And a long time ago, I mean, a long time ago, I talked about this on Facebook, but that's when like people were still doing Facebook lives. We're talking like 2017, maybe 2018. And sometimes it's hard for me to take myself back into that time because I'm not that person anymore. I am so not that person anymore. And I have to take myself back there and remember it. And that also makes me really proud to look at and see how far I have come in this journey. Like I never talk about it because it's literally been 20 years. And I say disordered eating because I don't think it was like a straight up eating disorder. And of course, a lot of mine had to do with my exercise habits that were also totally dysfunctional. Um, I would, I'm assuming it was, you know, um, like bulimia in the form of exercise bulimia, like overeating or binging. And then the next day, just exercising hour upon hour upon hour to, you know, get rid of those extra calories. Of course, now I understand that's not how the body works at all, but I didn't know that back then, right? I was really young. So I want to just give you a little insight into my history, like how I grew up and when this all started and how I transitioned out of it. 
So let's just rewind. I mean, as a kid, active, whatever, I was never, um, I was a super fat baby. So cute, right? Super fat, like the best kind, just like Brooks was super fat. Um, but as a child, I wasn't obese, not at all. I will say this is super interesting. I had my mom send me some pictures from when I was a kid because I wanted to make a reel and the reel um, just uses a picture of you from when you were a kid. And you're like, I can't believe that we have, I used my podcast. The intro said, I wish more people listen to my podcast. And that showed a picture of me when I was like, I don't know, four and my big doe eyes. And they're like, we have a podcast now. Um, but I was never chubby. But amongst those pictures that my mom sent me, there was one from, I must've been in like fourth grade, fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade. And we lived in Texas at the time and we had a pool. I loved that pool so much. And it was me riding my huge inflatable Shamu. And I remember the bathing suit that I had, it was peach and black striped. And I looked at myself in this picture present day and I look I, I mean, if I were to look at myself, I would call myself skinny. I even actually look muscular. I had delts like I have now. I guess I've always had these delts. I had delts and it looked like I have quads. But I remember being at that age and feeling like I was big for my age. I always felt like I was big for my age. I didn't think about that until recently. I don't know where that idea came from. My mother never said anything about my body back then. Never. So I don't know if it was society if as girls, or maybe it's everyone, we are born with this body dysmorphia. I have no idea, but I showed Pat and I was like, can you believe that I thought that I was like one of the bigger girls in this picture? It just blows my mind. So anyway, as a kid, no issues or anything active was a swimmer. Fast forward to high school. That's when I started strength training. My body loved strength training. Like my senior year, I saw, looking back, I saw my body transform. Like we started more seriously lifting weights. I started lifting weights probably in like eighth grade um, or freshman year as part of the training. But then more seriously, like our junior and senior year, I think our coach just liked that. I don't totally remember, but I remember enjoying it and my body responded well to it. And I remember in high school, there were a group of girls and they were older than me. And it was like the anorexic table at (laughs) lunch and they didn't eat. And I would just, and I would go home and tell my mom, like, it's just ridiculous, mom. I mean, they just don't eat. I just don't get it. And I never had a bad relationship with food. I never, I mean, I would eat all the crackers. I would eat, I, I didn't think about what I ate. I mean, I knew how to eat healthy. My mother always had healthy meals for us, but I never had any issues with food until I went to college. And in that first semester of college, okay, wasn't swimming like I used to. So I swam year round. So, you know, always swimming, morning practice, afternoon practice. Then in the springtime was a high school season, morning practice, afternoon practice, dry land work, weights, all the things Um, so I was super active and that's one of the reasons I'm sure I could eat whatever I wanted to eat that didn't happen in college. And I learned that lesson really quickly. I went home for Christmas break. I don't know how much I weighed. I literally have no idea how much I weighed. Um, but I could tell that I had gained weight over Christmas and 
I was shopping for bathing suits for spring break and I didn't like what I saw. So I decided, well, I'm going to nip this in the bud. And I started exercising. Let me back up one step in college also. So I was less active and, you know, you, you have access to all of this food. And where I went to school, TCU, we had great options. And I remember like my first lunch, I think I grabbed like a baked potato and the salad bar and something else and something else. Like that was my lunch. Uh, I just, you know, I needed to recalibrate. Because for me, it wasn't like the drinking. I wasn't a huge drinker in college. Um, it wasn't that. It was just less activity. And I was eating about the same as I did before. So, you know, I wasn't burning as many calories. But I nipped that in the bud second semester and started exercising, getting back into, you know, a, a routine with that and got a great response. Like my body adapted real nicely. And I remember I felt confident in spring break, like whatever weight I had gained, it was gone. And so I kept up with it, but kind of took it to extremes. And I remember I, I would eat breakfast. I would eat breakfast. I remember I would eat oatmeal for breakfast and I would put like dried fruit on it. And it was like the best thing ever, but it's because I stopped eating like at six o'clock. I remember I like, that was just something I implemented. No one told me to do that. I don't know where I got that information, but I wouldn't let myself eat after like six or seven o'clock. So by the time breakfast came around, I was starving and I loved my breakfast. I would drink a shit ton of water. I just drank so much water. And my goal was just to really eat as little as possible. Not anorexia, just enough to get by. Like I knew, I knew that I could just eat like salads and I don't even remember what I ate, but it was mostly, I was just working out so much. Now I said a moment ago, I don't know what I weighed, but I remember what I weighed, which is irrelevant, but, um, because I would weigh myself during my workouts. Okay, that is a red flag, right? If you are weighing yourself during your workouts to see if you are losing weight, that is a huge red flag. And if I didn't weigh a certain number, I was like, well, this workout's not over just yet. Um, so that was my freshman year of college. The trend continued as I was home for summer and I would work out and I mean, looked great. I absolutely looked great. I remember going back for sophomore year and... <laughs> You know, people don't understand the impact of their words and how powerful they are. Remember this one kid, his name is Brett. Oh my God, what happened to you? I was like, what are you talking about? And he was talking about the weight that I had lost. Like I was really lean and it's like, I, I know what you meant, but you need to say it like that. Like what happened to you? And it just continued. Now, during this point in time, because of the eating and the working out, I was alienating myself from activities, right? I didn't want to go to dinner with my friends because I didn't know if there would ever be anything for me to eat. I didn't want to travel. My sophomore year, I had the opportunity to um, travel abroad. And my mom even asked me, she said, do you not want to do this because you're not going to be able to work out while you're over there? I said, no, but that was absolutely the reason why I didn't want to go to Europe by my sophomore year. I was so scared of losing the control of my workouts. Um, 
I'm trying to remember if I would work out in the morning and in the afternoon. I had such a rigid schedule. I'm in my office right now and I actually ran across one of my old journals and I had my day so planned out, so planned out, which is so funny because that's not me at all anymore. Um, so I wouldn't go out with my friends. Uh, I mentioned that I wasn't a huge drinker in college just because, I mean, I would have to get up and go work out or what if it messed with my workout? I just couldn't have that happen. Now, this also messed with my relationships, not only with my friends, but with my boyfriend. I mean, who wants a girlfriend that doesn't want to go do things? I remember us going to dinner I think we went to Joe T's and they had like mints afterwards. He's like, do you want a mint as we're walking out? And it's like, no, all I could think about was like, there's like 25 calories in that mint. I don't want that mint. I didn't say that, but that's exactly what I was thinking. That is how far gone I got. But at the same time, I was also being praised for how great I looked. And like in my sorority, I was the head of like the health committee, um, which is just ridiculous. And my sophomore year is when things started to go awry because things work until they don't. So I was able to maintain everything until like that second semester of my sophomore year. And it took, my body started rebelling against me, right? My, my face was getting puffy. I, the exercise wasn't having the same effect. I was getting injured because I wasn't eating enough. And I would do like hours of cardio. I would have like this little routine where I would do 30 minutes on the Stairmaster, 30 minutes on the bike, and then 30 minutes on the treadmill. And that would be the first part of my workout, right? And then I would go upstairs and I would like do some sort of lifting weights. I did all of this kickboxing and it was just ridiculous. Now at this point in time, this is also mm. when things got even more disordered I mentioned this on a podcast I did with Natalie Newhart because she talked about this and I would, I would be so hungry that I would sleep, eat. I mean, I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would go like down into the kitchen and look for food. This is when I lived in, um, in the house, the sorority house. I would also go scavenge in the trash cans and see what food people had thrown away. I remember eating tortillas out of the trash can that people did not eat. And, you know, I'm somewhat ashamed of that, but looking back, I'm just so sad for myself. And thank goodness, two of my friends noticed and sat me down. And that's really what helped me to overcome this in the beginning. So, my friends, Emmy and Tiffany sat me down and they were like, Hey, Kylie, we noticed this, you know, we've, we've seen you grabbing that food and we're, we're here for you, you know, and they did, they did not come at it from a judgmental place. It was very much, um, a place of concern and, you know, looking back and thinking about how, you know, what that would take a 20 20 year old, 21 year old person to do to like have that difficult conversation with me. I'm just so grateful for them for having that because when I had been home for summer break that year, my, whether it was my freshman year, I think it was the freshman year before my sophomore year, I had lost my cycle. And to me, I was like, oh, that means I'm really lean. Like, this is a good thing. 
And for some reason I told my mom, which is so weird. This is not something we normally, I would normally talk about with my mom. And she took me to the doctor and the doctor said, didn't say anything. He asked me what I ate. And I told him, I don't remember what I said, but that was the end of that. That should have been a red flag for my doctor or I'm not blaming anyone, but that should have been a red flag for someone. For me, it was a badge of honor. I'm working so hard. I'm so lean. I don't have my cycle anymore. So since no, not that it's anyone else's responsibility, but since they didn't say anything, it took my friends, Tiffany and Emmy, bringing it up. And then of course I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't do it anymore. Right. I just, I just couldn't. So I started eating more and nipping that in the bud, but the exercise thing did not change that just kept on and kept on. But there was, my body was doing what I know bodies do. I mean, looking back, it was inflamed. It was puffy. I I, I wasn't chubby at the end of college either, but for the amount of work that I was doing, it just, it wasn't making any sense. So then <laughs> graduate from college and I start working and that's like a whole other transition, Right. Again, your activity level goes down because you are sitting at a desk all day long. You've got business lunches. You've got happy hour with your coworkers and all that kind of stuff. And again, now you're paying for your groceries, your grocery shopping, and it's a whole other like level of freedom that you have to learn how to navigate. And I was still under the guise of, well, I can work out all that I want. I can eat whatever I want as long as I'm like working out this much, but I, I wouldn't eat whatever I wanted, at least not until 8 PM at night. My goal then was also to just eat as little as possible for breakfast. I don't know what I would eat. I literally don't remember eating breakfast. Lunch would be a can of tuna or a can of soup or a lean cuisine right? And then an afternoon snack, probably like a granola bar or an apple or something, Diet Coke. And then I would work out in the morning. I remember I would go to like spin class in the morning. And then after work, I would run or go to like turbo kit class or body pump and then do cardio again. I mean, like I said, so much working out, but then I would be ravenous in the nighttime. Like I'd go to the grocery store and get a half gallon of the low fat ice cream, the Edie's, you know, slow churned, not as many calories. And I would eat like the whole thing, or I would get the Olestra chips, <laughs> you know, the chips made with Olestra that like make you shit your pants and like eat all of them. Like I totally was binging at night because I was restricting so much throughout the day. And it's not like I would go to Taco Bell and like binge like that. It would just be in one sitting, I could eat so much. And then of course I would feel regret the next day, but I was going to go to spin class. I was going to go run. I was going to do whatever. And in my mind, that is, you know, what balanced everything out until an injury popped up and I got a stress fracture in my femur and I had to put a stop to all that. I couldn't do my spin class. I couldn't run. I couldn't do body pump. I could not do anything. And this is another, this is one of the things that saved me. I, when I found out I had the stress fracture, 
of course, no one put two and two together. Like you got, it's not like I was running marathons. I was simply just going to spin class, running three miles, maybe five miles, maybe six, um, and just doing too much and not eating enough. So my body just was not repairing, but I couldn't do anything. And I don't remember how long I couldn't do anything, but when I could start doing something, when I remember I went to water aerobics, I think I only did that once. Um, but then I started practicing yoga and I went to one yoga class. I worked out at the 24 hour fitness in Irving, Texas, and I loved it. I loved it a lot. And the teacher that taught, she taught at a studio in town as well. So I went to a couple of classes of hers at the studio. I also made friends with this kid in the class and he told me about this hot yoga. And he's like, have you ever heard of this hot yoga? And I was like, no, but I fell in love with the hot yoga, the Bikram yoga. And I started going to Bikram yoga religiously, like six, seven times a week. And when I say yoga changed my life, it's not a cliche. Yoga transformed my life. I will forever be grateful for the practice of yoga. And with Bikram yoga, especially, you know, Bikram aside, right? Put, put, take him out of the equation. You had to stand in at, you had to stand for 90 minutes in front of that mirror and you stare at yourself and a couple things happen. Number one, you really see yourself. Number two, you have to start to accept what's there. And if you're familiar with Bikram yoga, there's no Dharma talk, right? The teacher says the script, there's no outside influence. So it, it's not a teacher that transformed me. It was the actual practice. Like I learned these lessons through the poses. It literally broke me down. I needed to be broken down so bad. And my body started to transform again in the best way possible. And for quite a while, yoga was the only thing that I really did. I mean, looking back, did I overdo it? Maybe a little bit, but I don't, I don't really think so. <laughs> looking back, I mean, it, it saved me. It saved me. Um, and I don't practice Bikram yoga anymore. And my practice looks a lot different these days. But that is one reason I knew I had to be a yoga teacher because it changed my life so much. And I just wanted to share that with so many people. Like, you know, when you find out something really good and you tell everyone about it, that will listen to it. And people started saying, oh my gosh, you look so happy. Oh my gosh. And this stuff, I'm like, it just must be the yoga. It must be the yoga. But it, I healed myself through the practice of yoga. Um, so let's see, we're else going to talk about that. <laughs> Sorry. Like I said, I didn't plan on talking about this today, but I had two, my two podcast interviews for this week canceled on me. And I was like, well, this is a sign from the universe that you need to talk about this. Well, so let's fast forward after getting married and having Brooks, my son, I always wanted to compete. Always. I always wanted to compete in the bodybuilding competitions, right? When I was in college, I wanted to do that, but I couldn't because I didn't have the resources financially. And I know my parents would not support that because they, they knew my dysfunction, but I did it and it was great. And 
for me, it did not perpetuate any weird eating stuff. However, I do think that competing, if you're not careful, it makes eating disorders and disordered eating okay because you're doing it for a thing. Um, because of my yoga practice, I believe I was able to stay grounded throughout that whole time, but I was there was a missing link, right? After my shows, I didn't like rebound huge, big time, like you see some competitors do, but it was definitely, I just felt uncomfortable in my skin. Um, again, I don't really, I never weighed myself in that time frame. I don't know what I weighed then, honestly, but I could tell my body was different. And it was finally through learning what a reverse diet was that helped me like make that exit out of dieting because I only knew like how to compete or how not to compete. I didn't know how to navigate that transition in between. And that's when I first learned about reverse dieting. And then that is why I'm so passionate about teaching people about reverse dieting because it's your exit strategy, like out of all of this stuff. It takes you from your fat loss phase, your deficit, or if you've been chronic dieting or under eating for an extended period of time, you can slowly, gradually increase your calories so you get back up to what a normal person with your same activity level should be eating. And that's that's what got me here to today. But here's here's what's so significant, you guys. First off, my relationship with food is totally different. I don't need to eat half a gallon of ice cream in one sitting. I would I would never do that again unless I wanted to, unless I made that decision, like I'm sitting down and having a half a gallon of ice cream. Like I wouldn't do that again. I don't work out two times a day. I don't punish myself with exercise. There's not fear that anymore. I can go out to dinner without planning it, without freaking out. I can go on vacation with my family without feeling super triggered. I get to think about where I was 20 years ago. It seems like a lifetime ago to where I am now. And so I mentioned, okay, how I got out of this. I did this myself. I don't recommend it, right? I would recommend working with a therapist or someone that can help you navigate that. I did it myself. To me, that's pretty remarkable. Like I'll give myself a pat on the back for that. Like with all my years of therapy, with all my years, I think I started back in 2019, 2018, this stuff doesn't come up. This is not an issue for me. I mean, yes, sure, I have bad body image days sometimes, but there's no dysfunction with my food anymore or with my relationship with exercise. Or if there is, it's so small compared to what it used to be. And I can quickly pull myself out of it. Like I recognize when it's happening. And again, I did it myself, but I want you to know if you're recognizing yourself in any of that stuff, like the restricting and then the binging, the eating, the sleep eating, the grabbing food out of the trash can, like that stuff, well, there is no shame there. It's not normal, right? It's not normal. We don't want to do that. So if any of that sounds familiar, I strongly encourage you like to find someone who can help you through that. That's not necessarily a nutrition coach. That's a therapist situation. 
And that is why I am so passionate about helping you all eat enough and have a healthy relationship with your exercise. Because it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't work. It, that All that exercising and barely eating, it doesn't work. And if it does, it's no way to live. I don't, there's no way I could function as a normal human being if I had my old behaviors, meaning I, I couldn't be married. I couldn't be a mom. I couldn't run a business. And I'll tell you, one of the biggest things that has helped me is working with other women. Although I will tell you, men have the exact same issues that we have. But when I see someone, you know, I see little red flags, I just, I'm so grateful that I'm not there anymore. And that's what keeps me in check. And I, I've, you know, heard people say, if you want to, like the best thing you can do to like help yourself is help others and, and vice versa. Like seeing other people do those behaviors makes me never want to do them again. Like taking the focus off of me was huge. Because all that time I was just totally just self-absorbed and so consumed in myself and my body and all this stuff. And for what? For nothing. It left me very lonely, right? I missed out on so many events. I alienated myself from my friends because like when I was in um, post-college, my body was not the same. And everyone knows I work out all the time, but I didn't look like I looked like I worked out all the time. So I was embarrassed to meet up with my friends because I knew I was like heavy. I was afraid of what they would say. Of course they wouldn't say anything, but that that's what I thought. So I didn't want anyone to see me. So I, like I said, I'm just so glad that I'm not there. And it's why I do what I do. It's why you hear me throw the word sustainable around so much. Because after I competed, my whole thing was, I was like, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for you to look lean and strong and achieve th these physicals, but without such extremes. I know there has to be a way and there is. And that's what I've developed through the Lift to Get Lean program. And that is also why, you know, we call it the last program that you'll ever need because it gets you out of that whole diet mentality. Yeah, you can have a strategic fat loss phase, but we're not gonna just run ourselves into the ground. We're not going to starve ourselves into something that it's, it's just unachievable. We're gonna learn how to do it the right way. And that's really just been my, my driving force this whole time through. It's just amazing to think that 20 years, 20 years ago, what I was doing, let's see, because I would have been 18, I mean, even longer than 20 years ago. I'm a totally different person. And like, well, of course we all are, right? We learn, we grow, we age, we get older. But it's hard for me now to even like recall some of that stuff. But man, when I was in it, it was, it was not good. But if you guys have any like follow-up questions, let me know. I love being an open book about this. I was never, um, I could never make myself throw up. That wasn't it. And I, I know I wasn't like 
anorexic because I never got like below a certain weight and I did eat. It was just like, I ate like very little, just relied on all that exercise to try and just beat my body into submission. So I want y'all to know, like, if you're still dealing with this, there is hope for you. And I definitely would encourage you to reach out for support. Um, I might have some resources. This is one area where I don't know if I do, but I would gladly like help you do some research and find the best person for you because I see this all the time, you guys. And it's just so sad because it's a really hard way to live, constantly trying to make yourself smaller, constantly depriving yourself, not wanting to show up, not wanting to be seen. It's no way, it's no way to live, right? You deserve to be seen. You deserve to be satisfied and you don't have to suffer to have a body that you are comfortable in, dare I even say proud of. So I will leave this episode at that. Thank you so much for listening to me. Again, if you have any follow-up questions, reach out to me. You can send me a DM on um, on the Instagram. <laughs> on the Instagram, I'm at the Kylie Larson. And I hope to hear from you guys soon. Bye-bye. Truly, thank you for letting me share my story with you. I will get back to more amazing guests next week. But if this story resonated with you at all, please feel free to share that with me. I know I am not alone in this because I have worked with, it's probably been thousands of women at this point, and we all have a very similar story. But I am hopeful that we are changing the narrative for the generation behind us.